Dad, Dad, I can't, I can hardly hear you. There's like sawing going on. Uh, can you hear me now? Yep, I got you now. Okay. Okay. I just want to ask you a couple questions. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, what's your favorite uh, episode of the podcast? My favorite episode of the podcast? Have you ever listened to the show? Yeah, I listen to it every time. Are you proud of me? Uh, my favorite episode was probably... I asked, you, I asked you if you were proud of me. Do I? Are you proud of me? Am I proud of you? Absolutely. I thought you were going to say no. I was really worried. Oh. <laughs> No, of course I'm proud of you. Are you proud of Jared? Am I proud of Jared? I don't know. I don't know Jared very well. Based on the way he sounds, he sounds a little sketchy. Okay. Yeah, you're you're about right there. <laughs> <clears throat> well, uh, I just wanted to I just wanted to put you on the show. Here, we're recording okay. for the show right now. <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to say to the listeners about me? About you, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think uh, as far as the sun goes, you're uh, you're good. <laughs> All right, thanks, Dad. This season of Good is sponsored by Kessler Crane, manufacturers of innovative tools for filmmakers. Make sure to check out KesslerCrane.com. That's K-E-S-S-L-E-R-C-R-A-N-E.com for more info. This season of Good is also sponsored by Musicbed. Musicbed has been changing the game when it comes to music licensing for filmmakers through curating the best indie music in the world. We personally use them all the time, so make sure you do too. For more info, check out musicbed.com. Now here's the show. Hey everyone, my name is Jared Hogan. And I'm Christian Schultz. And this is Good. Uh, it actually is almost uh, baseball season, though. Do you watch baseball? Baseball? You know, um, I watch college baseball. But anyway, the seasons are changing. Um, it actually was like really, it was like kind of like freak snowed here last week, which is in, strange. In Charlotte? Yeah. Really? It was really weird. Yeah, just like out of nowhere, it just snowed. Like, like we, uh, we like got up and it was like snowing. We went out and then like, that that afternoon it was like all gone all melted away it was really strange but anyway seasons are changing it's getting warmer mm-hmm. and um you know the podcast just keeps on chugging mm-hmm. i feel like we are a solid beacon of light in the midst of changing storms you know what i mean mm-hmm. political <laughs> uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> weather um just anything any just kind of season, we're always here. Yeah. Every Tuesday. Should we set any kind of expectation for how long the season's going to last? Or do no, we know? No. Okay. No. Indefinitely. I, mean, I know. I know. I don't know if you know, but I, I don't. I don't know. We'll talk we should about talk about that offline. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like we've uh, like lived up to our, uh, you know, what we set out to do this season. And I feel like we've we've uh, earned some new some new people this year. Yeah, yeah. And, hey, um, I have a question for you, and maybe this okay. is for some of our uh, Twitter followers too. If you guys want to chime in, um, you know, maybe it's not like a, a big name director or DP or whoever, 
who would you like for us to have on the show? Maybe it's somebody that we don't know of. Maybe it's somebody that's uh, doing great stuff that maybe isn't like a big name or, or whatever. Um, who would you guys like to have us chat with? Maybe we could have like a couple conversations in one show or something with a couple different mm-hmm. people. I don't know. Also, uh, I had this idea uh, if we could have something on our website, just like a simple question submission. Okay. So that it's not uh, where we can do something that's a little bit more consistent on the questions. Because I feel like we – I don't want it to ever become something that we're just like doing for ourselves. Like we're trying to talk with the people that we find interesting as opposed to like actually trying to help people who – yeah, you know, maybe having uh, different perspectives than what we're trying to yeah bring. You know, yeah. So, so we maybe should there's do that. something. If you guys are interested in that, let us know. Um, we're just trying to make it better. You know, it's good. Yeah. We just want to make it gooder, gooder. Yeah, gooder. <laughs> and uh, but I feel like we uh, we have a really good episode for you guys uh, this week. Yeah, we've been trying to and, get. Um, well, you know, we're a little ashamed, uh, and it's not like a decision. It's just how things have gone, and we're trying to to right our wrongs. But um, the amount of of uh, female representation is uh, considerably lacking um, on the show. And that's something that we're trying to to kind of course correct. I can't so, say that it's on purpose. It's definitely, it's definitely not on purpose. Not. Definitely not on purpose. But I think we could probably try harder to to not be like have like you know a male dominated show. So we're trying to kind of branch out more. And and uh, a, a good friend of mine um, that I've known for a while, and actually it's cool. Me and uh, Christian got to meet up with uh, her and her boyfriend, who's also very talented. When we were in LA in January, and uh, yeah, so this week we've got Emily Kai Bakon, who I've been a fan of for a long time, and uh, she also breaks our male dominant streak, so that's good. Hold on, hold on. Oh dang, I thought they had applause on here. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Emily's going to join us, and um, you'll hear a little bit of her story and her process and stuff like that. So um, now, without further ado, here's our conversation with Emily Kai Bach. Okay, so, uh, you know, we can kind of start the beginning here. Um, Emily, I, I'm trying to think, um, I was trying to think before you hopped on um, how we kind of, like, got connected. I, I think it was, like, it was a long time ago. It was, like, four I like, I, five I, years I, ago. I stalked you on Vimeo. I was, like, a fangirl. I don't think so. I think it was the other way around. I, I had heard from... Uh, no, it was the other way. No, you. No, you're the best. No, no you. you're so good. No, you. I uh, love no, I, My friend Eric, um, actually, I think it was... Um, he said, there's this chick, um, Emily Kaibach, <laughs> and she's a really great photographer. And so I think I actually um, looked at your stuff uh, through you that lens first. Uh-huh. That's um, weird. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, kind of like, I think that was just around the time, maybe like a couple, six, eight months after, um, how long did you, did you do the Grimes, the first Grimes video, the, uh, Uh, Oblivion? That was, uh, coming up to five years this September. So 2000. Yeah. So it was around that time, I think that I started like checking out your work and, and, um, I think I reached out and we've kind of been like chatting back and forth for a while. Um, 
but yeah, that's, it, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but there's a lot that's happened <laughs> in your life since then. So, um, let's, let's maybe like start at the beginning though. Um, grew up in where in Canada? I grew up in Toronto, uh, Ontario. Do you know Toronto? Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> I've heard, I've heard of Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've heard that everybody, like anytime I say it, they're always like, no, it's Toronto. Not Toronto. Isn't it weird? I have I say Toronto and I'm from Toronto. Really? And I So they're all just they're just kinda pulling my I always thought Americans called it Toronto. 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 Maybe you've got it backwards, Christian. You got the six. Um (laughs) uh, Toronto. I don't know why I pronounce the T like that. It's like a I think there's like an East Coast mentality of really pronouncing the T on things. Mm. Like you say like that. And you like really do the t or like what? That's no, you don't, yeah. You like you. There's like a pause after the t. I've noticed like interesting. Um, I was just driving, uh, and there was a big sign that said accent elimination, um, and it was like a one eight hundred number. And I think that like there's actors here in uh, mm. yeah. I, th- I think there's actors here in Los Angeles, <laughs> but <laughs> so they cute. like they. There was like this advertisement for accent elimination, and I was like, I wonder what they would eliminate in my Canadian accent. Because like, <laughs> there's things like that people, um, after like I'll meet some yeah random Americans here, and and after a few hours of hanging out, they're like, are you Canadian? And they if they like catch me on how I say like house or something, how I say my own. How do you say house? Yeah. Do, yeah. House. That sounds so normal. <laughs> I can hear it a little bit, maybe. I don't My, know. I can hear it when I go back home. When I when I cross the border and, and like the radio ch- changes into CBC radio, and everyone, I can hear the Canadian accent so strongly. And, and in my family yeah. as well. Um, but I'm also like a little bit of a chameleon. And like when I hear other accents, like if I go to England for a while, I like will start talking in a British accent. I just like, <laughs> like just softly. And so maybe I have a... a Solely adapted the American accent. More. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe. Hey my guys, sorry, one sec. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna dip off here for a second because my something's going on in my house. I gotta figure out what it is. Oh no. Are you? Are it's you like okay? a dra- you, you guys hear that drainage sound, right? Yeah, yeah. I heard it. Like I heard someone's it. like peeing right next to me. Hold on. You should go in the closet. <laughs> Hold on. Something's being drained. Hey, so your film's great. I'm not gonna talk about it all right now, but. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, that was just so sweet to, um, for you to to text me that really nice message. That was yeah, like, of course. Yeah, because I I think I was I get I get paranoid if I if I send um, a secret link of a film that hasn't been released to like a few people and then I yeah. don't hear anything and then I'm like they hate it. They, they're just yeah, like of course. they're being they don't know they're trying to figure out like what to say positive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're trying to like phrase their words in like a polite way before they like respond so um so when you texted me saying like i haven't watched it yet i was like okay phew (laughs) (laughs) no it was awesome it was great i I really should be proud oh thanks i really appreciate um obviously like i hold your work in in uh high regard and so um coming from you it means a lot for sure thanks emily yeah uh grew up in toronto toronto Toronto, Toronto, yeah. Toronto, whatever. Uh, brothers, sisters. I have three older sisters, so there's four girls in my family. Wow. Yeah. What was that like? Um, it was, it was amazing. I had um, 
I had like basically my my mom was a single mom and she worked like a lot. She works really long hours. Um, so I had kind of these really hip, cool mothers that were all like listening to cool yeah. music and were um, had cool friends. And so we kind of like it was like growing up in a seniority or sorority, sorry, seniority. Um, a bit of seniority too. They were like they lorded over me and <laughs> loved to humiliate me or or like read out loud anytime I had like a lot of spelling mistakes in my homework, <laughs> things like that. Um, you know how sisters are. But I uh, I I loved them and they were really formative and I like felt like I yeah. um, had kind of like teen moms or something because they were like yeah. very affectionate very protective and and uh exposed me to a lot of really cool um i mean at the time it was cool i'm sure it's like it was like amy grant or whatever but it was like <laughs> this is cool. um music and and like you two act on baby you know what i mean like yeah, right. but i'm like five and i'm like choreographing dances to like um I don't know. Maybe I'm not going to just like, just like just really funny it. grunge music. <laughs> yeah, like just say it. 90s grunge. And, uh, and I don't know. We, we were all really close. It was like little women or something in the house. <laughs> we were, they're all very creative too. So like we would, um, yeah, they would, I would always like act in their plays or like in, we'd make little movies and we would write songs. We'd put on these, like, um, my mom would come home, like very tired, uh, from like a long day. And she, she just, we would like throw her a rose and, and attached to it would be like this being like, you're invited to an evening of spectacle <laughs> and delight. And it was like this whole, um, um, uh, like, what is it? Like, when you what is it like when, when you go to like a concert and there's a schedule like a lineup <laughs> a lineup a lineup yeah but it's like um a program right so i had it was like yeah. a program of like a full evening of um of entertainment so we would That's like marital would do like my sister would like sing uh, a duet with Alicia and then we do this like gymnastics routine and then there would be like <laughs> this um, interpretive dance routine and then like a short play like a one act and then there'd be like this whole thing from basically stuff we worked on all day long to like present to our mother um, that's amazing yeah so I, I felt like I was really um, fed on arts and performing arts and visual art and stuff from my my sisters were all really into like photography and creative writing. We, we all went to this like arts high school um, in Toronto that was like um, public. It was a public school, but you auditioned to it. And, and no, mm. once you got in, you had like unlimited access to like art, art materials, like um, rolls of canvas and oil paints. And like there'd be theaters and there was like a really good dance program. And I mean, I, I was a visual arts major, so I was like just doing mostly visual art stuff and photography, but there was, it was just like college level type of um, yeah. art that was free for us. And from like a low income family, it was like an amazing gift that like very thankful to Canada, like yeah. education for that or whatever. So you're in, you're in uh, Tor Toronto. 
doing your thing, hanging Toronto. out with your sisters, Toronto. Uh, and yeah, when do you decide like, okay, like film maybe is something that I want to pursue? Like not for another 10 years. It was, uh, yeah. yeah, I took, I didn't start um, like pursuing or like taking a camera and, and, and filming and like, and then it was actually, okay, fast forward. I went to art school, did a degree in sculpture and painting, and then turned my back on like be pursuing a career as a gallery artist or like working in the art world at all. Cause yeah. I like, um, just kind of got like, I went, I did an exchange to New York and then in, in New York where I was like around, um, you know, Chelsea and like the art gallery world yeah. you know there and and uh and just people saying like well this is New York and so this is like creme de la creme like the the, the uh, like I don't think I don't think the center of the art world is in New York anymore <laughs> it's like in Europe now <laughs> but they like very much believe that this is like everything is really urgent and important and uh who they are and artists in that scene are um you know uh just treated like pop stars and they're they're it's just like a but the only people that go to these openings are like um uh mostly white wealthy people that are um yeah. that are somehow literate in art history and are able mm -hmm. to catch all these references in highly conceptual pieces that are referencing like you have to know um you know go back and what like do you, you know you have to know the waves of of uh art art history like movements and stuff to understand some of the tongue-in-cheek work that you're looking at yeah often so like the often i i used to um monitor a few like the vancouver i did, I did my school in vancouver and um contemporary art gallery and people would be so nervous to walk in and even when they walked in they'd feel incredibly alienated and it was almost like an environment that created hostility to outsiders to like people that are not involved in the um the inside you know uh select esoteric few that can be invited and included in and in, in the art world yeah. and so um as much as i love art and i love a lot of contemporary artists and and conceptual artists that are working now and like I've been incredibly inspired and I love going to the MoMA or whatever I just realized that I um that it just felt like something that like my mom and my aunt and like my right you know extended family couldn't connect to like I'm making all this really weird installation art that's like um very hard to access and understand yeah. and so I just sort of um walked away from that and then decided like, I'm not going to make art for like a year, like nothing and then see what I'll naturally gravitate towards. Like, mm. so I moved in with a bunch of musicians, um, in Montreal, um, that I had met in Vancouver. Like, um, Claire wasn't in, she wasn't a roommate of mine, but she was friends with my friends from Emily Carr in, in Vancouver and, um, the school I went to and, just was like, just anyway, musicians. <laughs> she didn't actually make music at that time, but she um, lived a block away and we were good friends. And so there was just a lot of dudes making music all day long in this loft and we'd pay our, our rent um, <laughs> yeah. 
through having live shows and uh, art shows and mostly just bands would tour through Montreal and play shows at the loft space. And then we'd charge $5 door. We had an illegal bar for a while, but it, we've like paid rent. And so it was very, Montreal again is like an artist haven because it's rent controlled and it's mm. a beautiful old city. So there's a lot of artists, Canadian artists that it's like this expat type of like Anglophone <laughs> um, uh, oasis that we all like move in and, and, uh, and can make art and live on a part-time job. Um, and anyway, so I was around all these musicians and, and I think their work ethic of making music and like every day without like many people acknowledging the music that they're making um, without a professor telling them to make it or any kind of class that was really inspiring to me. The fact that they just like art, like yeah. it is necessary just to exist like on its own, like regardless if people like it or not, or, or if you're making money off it or not, or you have anyone to impress or they just, they just came out of these individuals. They just like would just, and I, I really, um, anyways, that's like got me to start making these performances with, um, uh, some of them I would cast into um, acting and, and dancing and stuff in these pieces that I would then film. Um, they were like really abstract, oh. weird performance art pieces because it was something that I could show with our like live shows of, mu- of bands playing on stage. Yeah. But I would do like, <laughs> like I'd have like the floor for like 10 minutes at the beginning of the night to like show a few of these like really and like weird just make everyone feel very uncomfortable and then like the music would begin <laughs> um and I remember Claire like she would play violin live like behind the PA she was playing the violin to one of these pieces that I call it was called rock paper scissors and it was like these archetypes of masculinity and um which was kind of like a segue to the Grimes video a little bit because it was yeah like yeah. Um, five guys like chanting and and tying each other up and pouring beer over each other's heads and kind of going through mm. this uh, prospector to like frat boy to like cowboy to mm. like um, a WWF champion <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> and then, and then uh, anyway, then I would so I'd film these performances and then I would start editing them. Um, and then realizing that I could change the work in the edit and be like, whoa, if I put the beginning at the end, I could like completely change the art and like being like, holy shit, I just yeah. discovered this like new medium of, of art. Like, what is this? And then I realized there was like a hundred year um, history of like cinema <laughs> and like and and uh, time and moving like time and capturing and documenting time and then moving it around is like an, it was like this whole established um form of art called yeah cinema and that's so i i felt like i like fumbled like stumbled upon that and then um just started shooting more things and editing them and playing with that and then the collaborations with musicians happened organically because claire started making like amazing music and i asked to make her a music video so that was an easy um way to like and then all of a sudden i was like the director of that video because I made it and then calling myself a director and then um putting I remember the day I like changed my Twitter handle to say like director like a director <laughs> and then I um and then I had people uh be like well sign like to sign you to my production company as a director and I'm it's like I guess I am a director but I felt like it was like uh hmm. 
yeah, it was just like, oh, I guess that that is the name you give, you're given um, if you make art in film. You're called a director, but I guess you're still just an artist, right? Mm, so, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that was like, and then again, like having to share the tools with other um, crew and cast because that's the whole um, uh, history. Like the if, as if you go to film school versus if you go to art school, film school, you're taught you're always put in groups and you're taught to like collaborate with other other people to like make your film possible which is like the only way you can make a film possible is with many hands because it's so much work it's insane and i i came from uh, a background where i made everything like totally alone and um so that was yeah. Just, yeah like i said before it was a struggle to be like oh like why are there all these people here like <laughs> i just wanted to um make my thing like yeah it would be so nice if i could do the obviously i you know and then you start to trust more people. Um, yeah. But often, often I'm looking at the sound guy being like, is he judging me right now? Like, cause he's, <laughs> he's like watching this play out in this very undone state. Like it's, it's like letting people into like a really intimate, you know, it's like you're painting, but you're standing over a painting with like 12 guys, like holding yes. brushes and being like, I'm like red in that corner. And they're like, okay, here's some red. And you're, it's like, it feels kind of, um, uh, a bit exposing and disjointed to have all these yeah. hands creating your work. Yeah. So that's kind of a, and then, and then, so Grimes happened and how, um, how quickly did that video kind of like take off for you? Um, it was literally like the day, uh, it got out, I got an email from, um, this company called Logan and Sons, who was, uh, who had rep, who was repping Roman Gavris at the time in America. Wow. And I was yeah. just like, and I knew his work obviously, um, because he yeah. was like the only, like the, the, the main music video guy that I like, you know, it's like, he was, he's like, what was at the time. He's still, I guess he's still making music videos, but it was, um, I think it was right when, um, I guess I always really loved his like justice video. I remember that one always like yeah, yeah. something that I music videos, um, more like ones that were being made, not in the heyday of the nineties with like Spike Jones and, yeah. and Jonathan Glazer and stuff. But like, yeah, his always like kind of felt as good as, as like a um, Jonathan Glazer video for some reason. And uh, yeah, he's super talented. So I remember just like seeing his name on the roster and I was just like completely floored. Oh, and also that I had been struggling in Montreal for almost four years, like trying to make, um, like basically like living on $7,000 a year, which was uh, really, really hard because I... Um, that was like literally when I gave my taxes in, I was, I had, was making seven grand a year. And that was like my earnings from, um, nannying. And, uh, sometimes I worked at a gallery where I installed art and then drove a truck. And then I also bust tables at like a, CD you say you drove a truck for the gallery. Like I would go to okay. pick up art in their storage unit in LaSalle and like, drive it back or like they needed modular furniture for like the hmm. um you know in the middle of the gallery there's like furniture so i'd have to go in 
and the artists would always pick the, there was like 12 different modular furniture um, uh, <laughs> colors for them to choose on that matched the art that they had in the gallery. So they'd be like, the white leather, this is cream leather, go back. It's like an hour <laughs> drive in traffic and I have to go and then like, what, like, like go in the back of this huge, it was filled with like crazy sculptures and weird stuff that they were storing. And I, and I'd like jump, like climbs literally 12 feet in the air on like precarious, um, uh, pallets and boxes and, and, uh, and shimmy down and to find like this, this wrapped cellophane, like wrapped modular furniture and just like peel it back with like my phone light, like looking at it, seeing like, okay, it's cream. I think, <laughs> and then like having to climb over it again and, and fit it into, uh, the van and, and that was, uh, yeah, it just took a long, a lot of, it was very annoying. The whole thing was really hard and, and thankless. <laughs> After the break, we chat with Emily about working with the band Grizzly Bear. But first, let's hear from our sponsors. This season of Good is sponsored by Musicbed. called Utah, an electric and hip-hop duo creating some of the most original sounds in the industry today. You can license their music and thousands of other great artists for your next project at musicbed.com. Don't forget to use promo code GOOD at checkout for 20% off your next purchase. For more than a decade, Kessler Crane has been designing and manufacturing innovative tools for filmmakers, including camera cranes, jibs, motion control systems, sliders, dollies, tripods, and other camera accessories. They also have a commitment to making products in the USA. For more info, go to kesslercrane.com good. That's K-E-S-S-L-E-R-C-R-A-N-E.com slash good. Also enter the code goodpodcast during checkout. Save 10% off your entire order. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, okay. So you you did um, you did that video, and then I'm gonna try and see if we can like uh, zoom through this. You did that, and then how long after was uh, was Grizzly Bear next, or was that around that time? It was uh, yeah, it was about at least six months after that. I, I got a call. And was that through a production company? How did how did no, you score that? No, that they actually uh, reached out to me. Um, like directly. And then I, um, I said no for a few times. I just couldn't, I like listened to the song and I didn't feel anything or couldn't like see anything. And I, I couldn't, yeah. I didn't have any ideas for it. So, and they, um, they, they just like, they love that the Grimes video so much. They just kept coming back. And then I, um, eventually got on the phone with him and then I was like, I have this one idea of like a figure skater. And he's like, that sounds awesome. Um, Ed Dorsey was like, I love it. And then, um, so I just, I, we went with, we decided to make it happen. Um, and, and, but then I feel like that video is not complete. Cause there was this whole other scene that I never shot that like is a very important part of mm. telling that story. And it's like, I can't watch that video without seeing like this glaring missing piece. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, do you see, do you see like, you know, going from like, um, making this thing for Claire, not even mm-hmm. really calling yourself a director at that point to then mm-hmm. like a couple years later, you're like, you know, like sitting across having coffee with Wynn Butler from Arcade Fire. Um, th- that's a pretty like meteoric like rise. How did you like, how did you really, deal with when, that? When, uh, when plays basketball, like with all our friends in Montreal and he's like very much part of the Montreal scene. These are like Got mostly it. Montreal like I kind of I met Wynn like a few times. Obviously, it was super exciting because his music, like their music's like I've always been a fan. I, yeah. I grew up listening to their music, so I've always been like very nervous around them. But they do have a strong like local presence in Montreal. Um, but it was yeah. the biggest music video budget I, I had received at the time to like one of the biggest songs. I like I I knew right. that it wasn't um, it wasn't a matter of like oh maybe like a few people will see this or like, a f- like maybe this will get like 12,000 views. It was like this video, like it's to a, to a song that's the single of their next album. So like it has to be good because it's going to get plays just based on the merit of the song's popularity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Based on like the band itself. Um, so that was like more like I have a huge responsibility over um, making this like a watchable video that people like. Did that kind of change your approach to it? Um, it made me like, like creatively. Um, I don't know. I mean, I always put everything I can into the, I don't think I've ever like done anything half-assed other than like commercials because that's so hard to invest yourself completely into like, uh, because generally like you're selling something and you don't really believe in the product and I'm like never going to get a commercial after this. (laughs) But (laughs) Just generally like it's really hard to fake caring for um for a a script that's not yours an ad agency pitches it to you like you you have you have to make their script good and it's really tricky when they control like the casting and where it's like they have a lot of input that you're always like you have to compromise a lot um with the with the music video it's like basically you just have the band um i mean when it's when it's you, you spoke of claire grizzly bear and and Arcade Fire, which are like my three most positive experiences of a band giving you 100% trust and just like yeah. being completely <laughs> hands-off. Um, yeah. I've had other experiences where it wasn't that way. Uh, but it, they basically were like, here's a song, make the video come back to us when the video is completely edited, and then we'll give you like no notes, basically. That's what they did. Like there was such few notes That's crazy. on all of those. Yeah. Um, so those three experiences were... Where it was like this was like I have to I have a vision and I'm going to realize that vision. I have full control over realizing that vision. That's like an amazing experience because you're you're given a budget to realize that vision. Like and I don't. Music videos are great for that purpose of like you have an idea, and the song and the label give finances the idea. Like you can make a little short film on the back of a. Um, of this like as long as the track is good then you can make the short film right uh with this track underneath it um but i mean if you were to try to find financing for your idea in any other capacity it would be and to have all these people jump on board to be part of it um yeah it takes way longer as i found out with my short like even getting the money together getting all the people because there's no uh band to propel it forward there's no album release day to like propel you know, there, it just feels like 
arbitrary yeah. where they're like, why do you want to make this film? And uh, <laughs> so, so that I, lo- I love the uh, immediacy of music videos where you're just like, oh, I just thought of this thing. Yep. And like literally two weeks later, it's fully realized. And you're just like, whoa, like yeah. that is even to find money, like grant money to make that. If I was t- trying to raise $20,000 on my own for that idea, it would take like four years, I think, to, yeah. you know what I mean? Like how would I you know, make that girl, grizzly bear girl falling through the ice in any other context. Like yeah. there'd be no financial way to make that happen. Um, right. So, yeah. So you kind of, you, you do this music video thing and, um, uh, I know there was like s- some more difficult music videos from what we've talked about. Um, and then your transition kind of from that into commercials, how, what was that like? Well, it was, it was, um, that was a good experience because um, it, I was just tripping because I had never, I was just like, I remember walking around Toronto with a location scout and being like, oh my God, I'm like, this is like shopping for, um, <laughs> for buildings and like real things in the world. Like he's like, I'm like, maybe I'll put them up on that roof over there. And he's like, okay. And he's like on his phone calling the building being like, <laughs> being like, okay, I'm this girl, like the director wants to put the people up on this roof of this, um, uh, deli. It's <laughs> you said like, so. Oh my God. Yeah. And then like looking at the casting photos and being like, I'm like shopping for people. There's like all these people that I can like pick from. And it's like, it, it was just, <laughs> it's, it's all, it's have all this support to, to, um, yeah. You like, and I get to, you know, and I had like a ad agency that was also very trusting. And that was like, I think I was like let in through like a, you know, it felt like a candy, like Hansel and Gretel or whatever. I was like <laughs> let into this <laughs> corporate world being like, this is amazing. And then, and even with music videos and then led like a lamb to the slaughter where like I just had going from incredibly positive experiences to all of a sudden being yeah. like, um, so like actually the the edit of that um of the coca-cola thing i remember being going to new york to meet the editor and uh her calling the head of the editing house to come down and escort me out of the building because <laughs> i because i was so <laughs> upset with her cut and uh and I think I said something about film school, like I like her cut seemed like film school or something. It seems like, um, <laughs> no, like like it, it just seems like uh, um, not good, right? It was uh, it was it was bad, a bad edit. Yep. And so I I she she kicked me out, and um, and then being like, whoa, like what? Like, but I'm the director, and then. And then, like, realizing more and more after a few other experiences that I, that um, the people paying for the film have, like, control and authorship over the film. And that includes, like, a lot yeah. of people later being, like, you know, like, you, they're, like, you build a big set, you, you spend all this money, and then the musician walks on set and is like, no, we're not shooting this, I'm not feeling it. And you're like, uh but we have to shoot it. It's going to be amazing. And they're like, no, and you're like, but there's a rear projector. Like this is, we spent all this money and they're like, no, or they're, or they're like, Oh, the, you're the best part of your edit. And the most like amazing, the moment that you're most proud of, you can never see the light of day because, um, I want you yeah. to change this, this and this. And then, and being like, and your hands are tied because they own the video. They paid for it. Therefore they own it. So that's like the, right. you know, doubles, 
double-sided sword or whatever it's like you you're like whoa I'll get my film finance but then it's like oh but at the price of of it being yeah. a film yeah um and so when you can get it financed and then maintain your creative vision when bands allow you that it's like you know christmas morning because it's like you're given yeah um you can have your cake and eat it too but it's it's it uh and then i learned like slowly harder lessons of like oh yeah this isn't my this isn't my art yeah i'm like yeah gun gun for hire you know i'm like yeah but that that drove you to to want to make something that you had full control over absolutely yeah it was after being burned several times. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, like I need to just like to actually um, sign my name to it. I need to like not have a client and raise the money myself and, and hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, be my own client. So you feel like you um, can kind of now go back into that space with like a maybe a, a different head or, or, or something, you know? Yeah, because I mean, I, re- I just have to. Um, it's kind of, again, uh, what is the, it's like, um, I wanted to say like, your don't throw your pearls to the swine or something. Yes. You know something scripture? like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> or, or like, I guess Coppola talks about like one, one for them, one for you, like one for the studio, yeah. one for yourself it's like an old Hollywood model of like, um, basically like you can, you don't have to define your art by, by, uh, everything you're hired to make. And it's really mm, important to, yeah. to maintain like, um, a separate practice that's all yours. And then, um, mm. then when you go off and, and, you know, I remember when I worked at that gallery in Montreal, Sean Nicholas Savage also, I got him a job there too. And we worked together and that was really fun. I don't know if you're familiar with his music. He's like a really great musician um, who, who lives in Berlin now. You should look him up. He's really prolific. But he'd always be uh, writing songs and stuff while he while we were working together. Um, and he, at the, as soon as like he punched the clock, he was like, "All right, I gotta like get back to my real life." My real life. His real life was like making his music and writing yeah. his album and stuff. And I. I had was investing way too much energy and time into like yeah. working very hard at that job, and I remember just always realizing that he was just punching the clock to make money to pay for his other life that was yeah. much more like rich and fulfilling. And so I, I sort of like yeah, I've developed the skill now to like punch the clock and like be like, okay, I'll go for two weeks and make this ad. That's that's actually like I've said no to a lot of of ads that I don't like. I find sexist or, um, for a company, a corporation that I think is like immoral or like, like obviously I'm not gonna make like a pharmaceutical or like oil company advertisement or whatever. Um, but then there's, uh, and bands as music, I just don't, can't connect to. So, uh, yeah. it, but then there's like, you just wait for the ones that like, that jive with you, even if it's not like the most profound thing that you, you can, um, I started to, to build a separate uh, practice, I guess, that I can now like, yeah. not feel, get so invested into being fulfilled creatively through stuff I'm hired to make. Um, but now I'm yeah. being, basically I'm taking that money to fuel 
and fulfill my creative self separately with other alternative projects that I'm now um, trying to make independently. This may be uh, jumping the gun a little bit, but whenever you, even on commercial jobs or passion projects or whatever, um, how often are you trying to edit your own stuff? Um, is it something I'm, that like you hold pretty dear or is it something you're, you're cool with finding someone that can, you know, help you do it? Yeah. I mean, I, I would love to, um, uh, eventually have a strong relationship with an editor because it was, it, it was insane. Like me editing my short cause I was, I didn't have, I was in a vacuum and like, um, like my basement just like cutting till like four in the morning every night and just like mm-hmm. not being able to express um to anybody like my the thought pattern that you have it's like a dialogue with the images right. and it was just like I went down some very dark <laughs> like dead ends and uh like just went into like a bit of a of a spiral of like not finding my way um yeah. out of the footage and stuff like that um it's hard when you don't have a deadline like when yeah that's the problem hmm. with uh making independent film i think is no one really is on you to release at any time like music videos um you have a much more strict or commercials or whatever strict deadline but i've always um i've always cut my own stuff and i even on commercials i'll make my own director's cut because i'm yeah generally like how I see the film um, playing out is so much in uh, how it's edited, and I think like editing is is uh, so more important than writing sometimes because I feel like yeah, um, or it is the final draft of the script or the like final version of the treatment or whatever. Like your idea and how it and it, like the Eisensteinian type of um, idea of montage of like creating meaning with images yep, yep. and how like like a plus b equals c and if you give that over to another person to have control then they'll create all this third meaning that like you didn't intend or and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's positive like maybe they'll offer great um Mm -hmm. meanings that like and 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 like there's a gift in editing for sure but i i don't know i've um i've it's i've had few positive experiences working with editors and maybe because i'm a little too controlling because also coming from like a fine arts background where you are the only person in the shop like I think right and and it's you you know you sign your name to it at the end of the day it's all made by your hands and it's like um film is such a collaborative process like it was a struggle to like begin working with the DP and now I think I've now I have like love working with cinematographers and I love like the collaboration of of working with Evan or um, other DPs I've worked with and what they can offer and alternative shots that they, they see that aren't like, um, right, right. my shot list or that I haven't pointed at things like that, you know, there's like, you end up getting more, not less. And so I, I need to, um, now I'm slowly figuring out the benefits of, (laughs) by learning the hard way and like, uh, wanting to hang myself by my own mouse. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's interesting. I, in my experience, um, I feel like people have kind of talked to me about like kind of my process, which is a little bit similar. And, and uh, Christian, you can speak to this a little bit just with your experience with me, like directing um, that. I feel like a lot of work I kind of know is going to come in post, you know. Right. Um, and I kind of wait it like that way. 
uh, and I feel like to some extent, um, I feel like a lot of people are kind of like, all right, Jared, you know, like kind of grow up, you know, <laughs> uh, that's mm-hmm. like, that's what you do at the beginning, you know, that's kind of like a novice way of working. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'd be curious, Emily, like in your experience or even just in your opinion, do you think that's something that like is, is a legitimate like way of working that like you're shooting more intuitively and then, um, making sense of it? on the back end or you think that's more of like <laughs> something that you're supposed because to you're refine. not necessarily saying like the whole like, you know fix it and post type thing but no 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 I'm saying it's like, like a um, discovery thing exactly like uh, and, and that's I, what she, yeah, that's what I'm she's not saying. trying to sound like too like flighty you know like kind of like I'm such a free spirit or something <laughs> but like um, I guess uh, kind of like finding it and feeling it more like when you're shooting mm-hmm. and then kind of making sense of, of um, those intuitions like in like in the edit room yeah. is that something you think that you're supposed to grow out of or is no, that like a I feel yeah. like um I feel uh, I feel that way kind of yeah yeah maybe it's like a Terrence Malick kind of approach or or I I um I actually but there's like a, few, a lot of directors that like I want I want to say um um Gus Van Sant also, as well yeah I go out um, and do research like in the world or in whatever, like read the news or, uh, go to the locations, you know, and that's part of the writing research. And then I feel like, then I go into the script and I, I write like words on pages and I figure out scenes and I try to like, Mm -hmm. um, and then I get, you know, it grows like there's your imagination and you know you see the visions of like things that don't exist in the world that you would love to like interact with the things that you do see in the world um that are stunning and like stand out to you so you're like let's capture that as well yeah. as adding this fictional element that like you know um would be cool yeah. to see interact together and then you go out and um so you, you take that from the page, like that's all written out of like, this is my idea. And then, and then shooting is, feels so much like research to me where I'm just like out yeah. in the world again, but with the, hmm. these like fictional elements that I've put together to interact with the real world that's there and like already beautiful and like filled with meaning. Yeah. And then, and then it feels like, again, like that, like free type of like, yeah, let's just shoot this and let's get that. And like, let's get, you know, if we can afford the film or whatever, like try to get as many shots as, and then you're interacting with like a bunch of spontaneity, like, like happens. Like there's things that are outside your control in moments and stuff that you don't want to like, um, right. be too strict about not like your vision at that point. It's very much like documentary feeling or something. Yeah. You're, you're uh, relating to it, um, in real time and it's and it's alive like it's very much like a wild animal as as far as like an idea do you feel like um and maybe christian you can relate to this too i don't know like uh because I, I i i respond to what you said emily about like just keeping it very close to the chest you know like an idea or a mm-hmm. concept um how much of of that for you guys is like um just let me like, ma- like, I don't really want to tell you, uh, like, let me just make it for you and then I'll show you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's hard to sometimes like articulate it in a way that's exciting for people, but you're like, if you just let me that make it. It's terrible. Yeah. Often even scripts, I think are like, 
um, you know, just like the most hideous pr- presentation of visuals and like, and, and, uh, and storytelling often like a, like I, or maybe I just have yet to like master the, obviously I, I have yet to master the craft of, of screenwriting because I like, <laughs> haven't written many scripts or at, or a script other than like the short film. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like it's, it's very hard to, um, you know, articulate how like an idea on into words and into reference photos, because I was even yeah. like rereading, um, my treatment on the short and how I was like so embarrassed by like the yeah. way I, the way I was writing about that story and, and, um, and how I was, uh, describing the characters and I was like geez that's like so two-dimensional and and um Mm. they seem so cliche and this is such a cliche idea like this is like it's I'm so happy that the film um has evolved since that treatment but I like remember being like if I got sent this treatment I'd be like rolling my eyes at it (laughs) (laughs) funny how um yeah I don't know I I I'm glad that I think it was like Kubrick or whatever that said like scripts aren't meant to be read like they're meant to be Hmm. um made like into films like used as a blueprint to make films it's the same way as like a building is very different from like the blueprints um Hmm. so I'm glad that there's separation but it's weird how we hold on to these like artifacts and tools as like being these pieces of uh uh I don't know like of craft Yeah. yeah Uh, Emily, when you were like um, just thinking about like you sitting in your basement, like just cutting away, had you ever been in that deep of a like hole of just like uh, like despair? No. <laughs> of like, I hate this thing. I love this thing. I hate this thing. No, never. I would sometimes like I'd bring it upstairs and I'd show Evan on our projector and then he would just like be like, make it better it's like that would be his notes to him he'd just be like no he's like oh god no no you can't use that shot no this is terrible and then and then i'd be like and he'd be like it's way worse than the last version you just sent me what a comment dude yeah and then he'd just be like just just make it better and i'd be like oh that was the that was that was when it started to feel very hopeless when it was um, when I could see, cause like often like you go into the, I don't know if you've all been there at like a three in the morning when you're like, this is amazing. Like, like I've yes. cracked the code, like hell <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm like, I'm through. And then, and then literally the next day I like show it to someone else and I, and it's like a bucket of cold water is being poured on. I like, yeah. I just, I just, <laughs> yeah. it's so bad and embarrassing and it's like not working. It's clearly like the problems are glaring and, uh, and then all you can do is go back and keep trying stuff and keep cutting. And it's just like, that is that I don't think I've ever, I mean, I had so like, I had a lot of footage to cut through and I was cutting yeah. it down to 20 minutes. So it was, yeah. um, taking hours and hours of, of scenes that, um, you know, like it was, uh, it was weeding out like of a, of a lot of content for a very small, like amount of time like short Mm -hmm. films I think like 
are very, very difficult. I think like the, yeah. the short form format, you have to establish characters and themes and a storyline and then make people like care and then sum it up in some way, like have some kind yeah. of arc. And then, right. um, or, or you can, I guess, tell a story that's just like one scene and make it more like a kind of punchline kind of thing, um, yeah. which a lot of shorts are, but I feel like I had, you know, I wrote 60 scenes for this short and then I, wow. and then we, um, I had three characters and I had like all this dialogue that I had to chop out because there wasn't time for it. I had a lot of slow establishing shots of like in the beginning of scenes, like a lot of, um, you know, inserts of things that were beautiful shots that I had to cut out and just like slow tracking shots that would have like, I probably can make an edit of that film. That's like, like a very long, like art film. That's like yeah, um, yeah. very European feeling in the way that it's, it's just like very slow and like you'll watch like a flower for 45 seconds, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like the sunrise. Um, so there's, there's that version of it that has like, and and it's a shame that we were, like we couldn't use all the yeah that we captured that were like really nice long takes that just like held on moments very nicely. So I think I'm I'm excited to work in a longer format like in a feature film format or something other than I find shorts just like brutal in how yeah. short they have to be. Um, and maybe I went over the top in like what I like the world I wanted to create and then tried to fit it into like cram mm. it into a short. Format. It's hard. It's so yeah. hard. Um, but it was such a simple story that it, I don't think it could be a feature because it's too, too simple. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. At the same time, so I don't know. But um, but yeah, that was editing. I will. I, I would never want to do that again. Like, cut <laughs> a film alone. I think. Uh, I don't yeah. Do that I think I do that too often. I think. I think <laughs> I, I. I do. I, you, I've had. You I've had you some. Convince yourself that something's good. You know, oh man, and the, well, especially especially like you said, Emily, like l- like working late at night, mm-hmm. and then like there's yeah, like yeah. the the three a.m. kind of like brain, right? That then like when you wake up and look at it at like a normal like like hour of the day, it's yeah. no longer profound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And one thing that I've always noticed, and maybe this is just me, but maybe someone can relate. But the shittier I think something is while I'm cutting it, usually the better it is. And the better I think it is while I'm cutting it, usually the shittier it is. I don't feel that way. <laughs> really? I don't think so. Like I if, think I, if I, I'm super frustrated with it, I know it's it's going in the right track. But if I'm like just <laughs> I'm automatically really happy that's with it, I yeah, like, that's I don't I don't identify with that. I think I um, I think I do feel that way most of the time that I don't like what I'm cutting together. And then yeah. what you described, Emily, is actually pretty close to to like how I seem to work too is like, uh, cut something, totally scrap it and like do like a, f- a whole new edit and do that like eight times. Mm-hmm. And then change finally the, change like, the aspect a couple times and then <laughs> shut up. I got to the point where I was, um, taking audio from our rehearsals, like from our first audition yeah. with the actors and like overlaying it over, the images and being like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And I was taking like 
audio from my phone and from like uh, yes like like cell phone audio and then and then adding all these effects to it and then being like oh yeah this is it and i was then, like scary. later on being like what the f-? like why would i ever go down that road i was just like <laughs> like you know when you just get this idea of being like oh i have this thing yes. that i shot on my phone and i'll just take this thing from my zoom mic of this like cricket yep. and then i'll add all these effects to it and then i'll just make this and we'll add in some um I was like putting in some uh, Arvo part, you know, like the yeah. um, composer, the Estonian composer, and like I don't know, just stealing the Foxcatcher soundtrack and just like, <laughs> over the, yeah. oh, just man. trying anything. Yeah, yeah I relate to that. Or just like blasting an Elvis song in like slow motion over scenes. Just just yeah. anything I could. Trying Complete desperation. Yeah. Emily, I heard a I think it was Evan who actually told us on the mysteriously uh disappearing episode. Uh I deleted it. I have to com- confess. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, he showed it to you and you said this is not shit. good enough. Yeah. And- <laughs> make it better. Yeah. So Emily, when does when does the world get to see um your film? The short? Yeah. The short film? Yeah. Um, uh, I guess the I, when you're submitting it to festivals, you're not. Um, it's better to not have it online, like released online when yeah. you're in the so process. So are you in that line. process right now? Yeah. I've like sent it to um, 10 festivals, I guess. Um, yeah. I didn't get into quite a few, <laughs> but that's like, I think I know how that feels. Normal. Yeah. Um, I just found out I got into Nashville, so I'm proud to, to screen oh, nice. to, that's great. to the cast and crew in Nashville. Yeah. That'll be like a homecoming. Um, and then I guess, so that's going to be done by the, by like, I think the fall. So I'll probably put it online in the fall, I think at the end of this year. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's beautiful. Thanks for Thanks. Um, letting me peek at it. Sure, yeah. Um, uh, Emily, thanks for, uh, we're going to wrap up. Thank you for joining us. It's, uh, it's yeah, it's great to talk to you. I've been a fan of forever. And um, I know a lot of people are going to be excited to kind of get a look into your, to your process. This episode of Good was mixed by Christian Stropko, or as we like to call him, Christian number two. As always, our music today was created by Cubby. That's Cubby with two Bs, and you can check out more of his music at CubbySounds.com. Also, this season of Good is produced by our new friend, Mary Taylor, who'd also like to say something. Follow me at MaryBot2000 on Twitter. To find out more info about today's episode, make sure to go to GoodThePodcast.com. Good.